This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey everyone, it's Gavin Spittle. Welcome to another edition of Spits and Suds on 105.3 The Fan. Joined by two-time Stanley Cup champ, your favorite Dallas star, one of your favorite Dallas stars, probably your top five Dallas stars, Craig Ludwig. How are you, my friend? You're trying to narrow it down, find <laughs> something that fits in there. <laughs> okay, so so check this out. So this I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pull back the curtain, you know, where everyone thinks like, oh, you're just doing this. Like, I said to you last week, I'm like, hey, I was like, you went to Colorado. I was like, I saw a tweet that a team in Colorado had success. Was that your team? Sure. No, that was not. Okay. Our, uh, when you go to regionals, all of your, it was a triple A deal. Um, okay. Elite for the stars. And so all your teams are there, the 14s, the 15s, the 16s, and, and then us, the 18s. And so the 16s and 18s, our team did not make it to nationals. Um, I, I don't, I don't know what, which one you saw, but either the 14s or 15s or both are, are going on to nationals. I know one of them for sure. I don't remember which one. So okay. when I'm not a, I'm not a, very sociable guy in general, but <laughs> if things aren't going well, I don't really pay attention to a lot of other stuff. <laughs> so then I made a mistake, admittedly, and I put today's spits and suds time at 10 p.m. <laughs> yeah, I got I, this I text. Your meeting says start time 10 p.m. Dot dot dot. Idiot. <laughs> Which I'm 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 in my groove. I got my groove on at 10, so that may be a perfect. I know. To do it. I have to do this show on Cinemax or, or something like that. <laughs> I am I am in on that. Okay, so is your coaching are you done for the year? Oh Jesus. There is are you kidding? In youth hockey, there is no such thing as being done for the year. It's one of my biggest pet peeves is that um so now actually uh right now we're in the process of having end of the year meetings with players, finding out you know, what, what their plans are, where they're, if they're going to go try out for junior teams and next step for some of these guys. And then uh, what we'll do is we will continue to have ice form for the next uh, two weeks available. And then starting the last week, I believe it is in April. Uh, what month are we March? Yeah, I think some, I think third or fourth weekend in April, we'll have a showcase uh, tryout kind of thing. And so that's kind of open and kids come from around the country and Dallas, DFW, all that kind of stuff. And then there'll be, and then from there we go to about um, six weeks of uh, like a training, 
training thing in, in summertime training. And they'll do that three days a week for about six weeks. And then finally, by about the fifth or so of June, June, uh, they will get their break, uh, all of them, you know, regardless. And, you know, but by then we should have our, you know, our team pretty much figured out or close to it. I mean, you never know because uh, what happens is a lot of these players will start attending tryout camps for, for junior teams, whether it's the North American Hockey League, the United States, the USHL, um, or if they're going to go try out in some other you know, in Canada, things like that. And then, uh, so we want them to go try out. We want them to make other teams. And, you know, if that doesn't work out for them, then, you know, typically they'll, they'll come back to us. So we really don't have a clue. Uh, a lot of times on our, our final roster until man, we could be, we could start the season and it could be two, three weeks into season before we actually even know if, you know, some guys are still hanging out and making, uh, some camps or, you know, hanging in there. And if they get cut late, then, then we'll be able to add them if we have enough space. So the, your most a, successful youth it, player so far, would it be Seth Jones, Blake Coleman? Yeah. Well, the both, you know, okay. I mean, Seth was the first one, um, <clears throat> first big one that went on to the NHL, obviously. And, um, you know, Seth, Seth was, Seth was a natural right from the day he came in. Um, <clears throat> you know, he came in a little bit young. There was no question what was going to go on with Seth. And then when uh, I had Blake or Addy and I had Blake for, for a long time, we had Blake from when we were younger, he played with my kids. Uh, um, uh, man, I, I think in, when he was like a peewee. And so he, Blake kind of came up through the program. Um, so uh, yeah, those are the, those are the two. And, um, you know, Seth's brother is also playing and, but we never had Seth's brother, but, um, uh, he's younger. Um, but him and Seth are both playing in, uh, in Chicago together. So, uh, you know, and, and I'll tell you what, they, they come back when they get a chance to, uh, Blake came back, uh, uh, well, he'll come out and skate with us possibly, you know, sometimes, uh, in, in the camp gets, get a skate in and things like that and hang out with the players. And, you know, last year when he was out there, he was great. He was working on face-offs with some of our guys. And so, it's nice to see those guys recognize where they came from, you know, and uh, yeah. be able to to share some of their some of their stories and you know what what they went through and you know kind of uh, validate the program and all that other kind of stuff that goes along with it. What about Stefan Noisen? Two thousand six, two thousand seven. He was in a different. Yeah, yeah, he was in a different organization. Play for the um, Ice so Jets. Have him here with the Stars. Yeah. Um, so I had my first chance of meeting stuff. Uh, man, it was a few years ago when he, I think he was in New Jersey. Um, I think that's where we were. I can't remember where we were. Yeah. But that was first. He played in New Jersey. Yep. Yeah. So, you know, it's funny there. You know, we, we see him and everybody sees him on the ice and you see certain things that they do on the ice when they play the game. But um, they're all great kids. I mean, when you meet him in person and, and you, when you get to know him and, you know, like with Blake, I mean, Blake has had you know, this last summer when, when uh, their last Stanley Cup <clears throat> with Tampa, I mean, they had a big thing at his in-laws house here in Dallas. And so, you know, we had the cup here and, you know, music and all that other kind of stuff. So, um, you know, I'm hoping I'm hoping that that Seth gets that chance. Uh, Seth Jones. I mean, he I hate it when players are, are you know, they're they're great players, whether, you know, from when they're 10 years old and high end guys. And, um, you know, I don't know if if Seth kind of knew what he was running into when he decided to, you know, as a free agent and uh, go sign in Chicago. So it's, it's going to be a, a longer haul um, rebuilding that organization to where, 
you know, he gets a sniff at it. So, um, but hopefully he gets a chance to play for a Stanley Cup also. Yeah, no, a- absolutely. So Pittsburgh helped out the Stars last night with a massive victory in Colorado. So it's a back-to-back for the Penguins who come to the AAC tonight. This Penguins team, to put it in perspective, is about to end a streak where they played 11 games in 19 days. So coming off a back-to-back, Colorado is probably not the easiest uh, overnighter, so to speak. Uh, You have experience in in that. I would think uh, you agree with that. That's one of the longer back-to-backs, right? Yeah. You know what? Everybody talked. I mean, the flight is only an hour and a half or something like that. So it's not that big. It's not like going from the East Coast to here. Okay. You know what I mean? So, uh, or or coming from Vancouver, uh, you know, and again, Time change is only, you know, for those guys, it's a little bit different. You know, they go from probably what a a two hour time change from Pittsburgh to there. And then, you know, then another hour this way. But yep. you know what? I, they do all these studies and, and they're the game has changed that way. And, um, you know, they figured that sometimes it's better for some some teams to stay overnight in the cities that they play in. And um, but but you're awake. You know, I. You know, if there's a three and a half, four hour flight back, I think a lot of times now they're saying, hey, let's just stay over, get a good night's sleep, and then we'll get back the next day back into Dallas, if that's what it would be for the stars coming back from Vancouver, Seattle, things like that. And, you know, it's, it's a it's a complete day shot the next day. But but regardless, um, I've, I've always found that, man, when you're done with a game, you're awake anyways, you can't sleep. So I would prefer, personally, in my opinion, I'm for me, I, I would, hey, put us on a plane and you know, I'm going to be up for three hours anyways, you know, whether it's yeah. going to be here at the Big Apple, I'm going to be up. So let's, let's get it taken care of. But when you were in the locker room and I know certain things have changed, as you mentioned, but when you knew a team was coming, two questions, a, if it was today, would Craig Ludwig know that they went into Colorado and they beat the avalanche and they're a desperate team and B, would you even, you know, would you say to yourself, we have to jump on them early coming off a of back to back we have the fresher legs. You always say that. I mean, that, that part, the second part of your question, you always say, let's get them, you know, because again, I think that tired teams kind of get better as the game goes along. You could be a little sluggish right in the beginning of the game, a little different routine. I mean, from your normal, <clears throat> when you don't play the night before, I mean, they'll get into Dallas and whether they want to have a meeting in the hotel, you, you sit around the hotel and, they try to coaches. They'll try to get you up, get you moving, and things like that. You can have an optional skate. A couple guys may go down and skate, but for the most part, the guys that played there, they won't go on the ice. They'll do their sticks. They'll try to wake up, get to the rink. You know, sometimes teams make them go down to the rink. They might be down to American Airlines Center right now and and kind of getting ready for the game, and um, or they may just say, "Hey, we're going to have a, a meeting in the hotel at nine a.m." You know, whatever they whatever their club decides to kind of get them up and get them out of bed, then they have lunch and and then you go lay down again. So you know that's why I think if you can get on them early, but but again, you know, talk about getting them on early. I that that's a thing for Dallas. I mean, I it seems like Dallas gives up a goal. I mean, the other night they gave up a yep. goal in a minute and a half. You know, yeah. and start chasing the game right off the hop. So. Um, but there's no question you got a tired team and, and, but the other thing is you got a desperate team, you know, so they've got a team. I mean, you look at what their captain did last night and Crosby was Crosby again. The guy just doesn't seem to age and, um, unreal. Yeah. He's just, I I don't know. I mean, I don't know if there's a more complete player in the game. Um, you know, he's a, he's a super, in my opinion, Sidney, uh, Crosby is a, 
a superstar player that plays like a third liner. Yes. You know, he grinds and he does all the hard things. He does. That, 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 you know, those kind of players do. I mean, he doesn't take a shift off. He's a smart guy. He's a leader. And, you know, and again, he's going to go down as one of the top, whatever, four or five players to ever play the game. So um, it was a good night of hockey last night, wasn't it? You get, you get Crosby does his thing. And then you just stay in the same channel and you get to watch Connor McDavid do yeah. just ridiculous kind of things. So, but, but you know what, <clears throat> this is a kind of night that, uh, you know, Dallas is in that spot and you, you look, you know, where they're sitting. I mean, you have, you have two teams that have, I don't want to say the same circumstances, but in, in a way they're similar. I mean, Pittsburgh trying to, to, get into the playoffs for the, I think it's like 16th or 17th year in a row. I think the last time they missed the playoffs is when Crosby was a rookie. So they're trying to keep that streak alive. And, you know, they got, they got a couple, you know, they're, they're tap dancing around there with a couple different teams and that are trying to fight for that spot and the Islanders and Pittsburgh and Florida, they're kind of, they're the, the two of those three teams are going to get in there. And for Dallas, you know, you go ahead and look at it. And would you rather be playing somebody, like Seattle, Winnipeg, Calgary in the first round, or would you rather be starting on the road against Minnesota or Colorado yeah. yep. or even yep. playing one of those two teams? So um, both teams, um, you know, I think it's the beauty of, of, of this, of this game and this sport and the way things are, you know, scheduled because Dallas has been, it seems like at the top of the division all year long. Mm -hmm. Right. And now you get down to the last, 10, 12, whatever games are left. And you're going, wait a minute. Now we we've been here. We've had a, you know, a good size. I don't want to say gap, but a nice comfortable spot that we sat in all year long, found ways to win and uh, give up leads and give them back and come from behind and catch up. And, and now all of a sudden, if we stumble a little bit, you know, so we could be starting on the road or we could be, you know, we could give up. Cause again, I, I think that, I mean, if you're sitting there and you never say who you want to play, nobody's gonna, nobody's ever gonna say, "Man, we'd rather play Seattle." Yeah, that that that's always taboo. But deep inside, you're going, "Well, you know, let's just get through the first round." And you know, so I just think I don't know if Calgary would be the uh, an ideal situation just because of the way that that team plays, and who knows if their goalie wakes up at the right time of the year. But you know, if you have a chance and and you can play Seattle or Winnipeg, I, I, that's what I would. I would want see. that too. Yeah, yeah. You're, you're absolutely right. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. You know, one of the things I like doing about the podcast is, is like yesterday, Sean was taking it, us inside as a former voter of the Norris Trophy because we were talking about, you know, Miro in the second half. Craig, you and I have talked about how we wanted him to be more offensive, and that's certainly been the case. He's certainly more aggressive in the offensive zone. So uh, in that perspective, have you what have you seen defensively? Because you keep hearing odd man rush, odd man rush, and it just seems as though Stars defensemen get caught in the zone. So from a defenseman's perspective, are you seeing any, any like 
anything that's different with them? Are you seeing anything different with Yanni Hockenpah, who was minus four um, the other night and his playing time slowed down? Uh, do you think it's time they reinsert Nils Lundqvist in the lineup for the Stars? I mean, you're going off of you're going off of Hawk and Pa because of the game last night, and and there were two. There's two goals there that I, I and listen. I I used I used Hawk and Pa with one of our defensemen two days ago in a meeting, and I try to I try to look at the players that we have and say, listen, you know, who do you watch play in the NHL, and what's your team, and things like that. When they tell me the team, and then I'll say, okay. I got, I used, uh, I used Delandria a couple times with a couple guys. I've used Gallagher in Montreal, uh, a couple times. I, you know, I, I've used, I don't, I try not to go with the superstar guys. Right. But, I, but if I do, I'll tell them, listen, <laughs> odds are you're not going to be this guy, but I want you to watch the way he goes about his business. And, and I used talking Paul with, with a defenseman and we've got a defenseman that we got halfway through the year last year. He's six, five. He's got to grow into his feet and, you know, he's got to be a little bit more physical and there's a lot of things that he has to do. But, but I said, I want you to watch how Hawk and Paw plays because I like the way he plays. And um, does he, did he get elevated this year into a, you know, top four where maybe he's a, you know, four or five kind of mm-hmm. thing. Yeah. But, I, but he does a lot of the right things and he can be hard to play against. He's physical. He's got a long reach with his stick. Um, he's not, Haskinen and he knows he's not Haskinen so he's the kind of defenseman that you know they're just quiet and go about their business were there a couple couple there last night you know there was the second one for sure um you know there's got to be a little bit more strength in front of the net it's hard for me to tell on the first goal I, I don't know if, if how we got to the front of the net that late on that that yep. kind of a tip in right in front of Otter but um but the thing is is you're going into the playoffs and we, we know what playoff hockey is. You're, you're going to – Hawk and Paw should be a big, big part of what's going to go on in the playoffs. I mean, he's going to be a physical guy. Um, you know, that, that's what you need in the playoffs. And, and with that size, he can, he can do a lot of things when he's on top of his game. Now, are you talking about bringing him in and giving him a rest for any chance? Like, you know, at, at this time of the year – but, again, now you're looking at the standings. Yeah. So – is there a reason that Hanley comes in and Lundquist is out and Hanley's played what, I don't know, what was it? Five, six games in a row or whatever. So are they trying to give each one of those guys a fair look to see who would be the right guy to start in the playoffs? Um, and maybe it's got a lot to do with the opponent. Maybe they feel that if they play, you know, a Colorado over, I don't know, a Calgary, is that going to make a difference? It would to me. Um, I would think Hanley would probably be better suited if you played a team like Calgary, for instance, um, versus a team that's a little bit more, not as aggressive, not as big, doesn't play as rough of a game. So, uh, but when it comes to Hawk and Paw, I, I'm not, I'm not too concerned about the guy. I think, I think, you know what he is, um, you know, but when you talk about the the defensive side of things and the defenseman and Merrill's been on the other end of a couple of them. Yeah. I mean, the one that, that Larson scored the overtime goal the other yeah. night. You know, I think Miro could have been a little bit harder on Larson. Larson can't outskate Miro. That, there, that was a, that overtime goal, uh, the Donov, you know, I think he kind of got caught out of position a little bit there too. And, 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 you know, guys got to come from the other side to ice to defend when, once they get back to the net, but um, you know, it, it's, but what, what was the first thing 
that Pete DeBoer said in his press conference at the beginning of the year when he got hired, if you remember. And he, he said, listen, this is a good defensive team, and there's some things you just don't want to touch. But what did he want to do? He wanted to unlock the offense. Mm-hmm. That Those were his exact words. And I remember him because I meant I, I remember going, okay, how are you going to unlock the offense unless you're going to get, you know, some some add some pieces to it. And when you want to unlock the offense, you know, there's a little give and take. And, you know, and and, and the the give is you're giving up something defensively. And so I and again, look at this team. <laughs> They're an exciting team. They can score goals. We talk about how yeah, they can, they can come back from two goals down. Do they get good starts all the time? Not all the time. Do they give up the first goal too often? Yes, they do sometimes, but you know, they're finding things that they can lean on in the playoffs. They get down in a playoff game and say, Hey, we've come from behind all year long. We'll do it again tonight. So, you know, that's kind of what, when you want to unlock the offense, you have to give something up a little bit. And, and I think we've seen that from Miro. I mean, we talked about a lot about Miro getting more involved and he really has. And, um, you know, he jumps up into the play and, you know, I think Pete DeBoer's uh, concept is all about having a four man attack and that fourth man has got to be a defenseman. So that that's kind of what you see. So there's a little give and take. Hey, the league is like that, right? I mean, everybody's talking about Jesus. Why are there so many goals being scored this year? You know, and I think part of it is, is the way the player is being brought up. Um, they're more offensive. They've got these personal instructors when they're kids and they're, they're taught more about how to create offense and they are how to prevent it. Yeah. Yeah. And I think when you have two veterans out of your lineup, like, I mean, Mason Marchman's not truly a, I mean, he hasn't been in the league too long, but enough years along with Tyler Sagan, um, while the offensive production might be down, I mean, Tyler Sagan, I think's turned into a pretty good defensive forward and, you know, has the ability to get back into the defensive zone. So, I mean, I, I don't want to put it all on the defenseman because I think that's the natural thing, similar to football and a cornerback. Um, but, you know, you also don't see on that play who was supposed to be covering initially. And a lot of times the forward gets caught in the zone and can't get back. So there's that. I just, you know, it, it is tough when you see an Adam Larson and a Tyler Toffoli a few weeks ago break out in the last minute and score. Th- those are the tough, not the two fastest skaters. That's, that's the concern that I have. And, and it's, it's, it's a, it's the timing of things, start of games, end of periods, end of games. But then again, like I said, I mean, look at Jamie scores a goal with less than a second left to tie it up. The other yeah. So there, Dallas is finding ways to do the very, a lot of teams are finding ways to do the very same thing. You know, that it, the, the whole lockdown, lock it down, it doesn't seem, I mean, there are a few teams that have that mentality. Um, but I think there's more teams that, that are kind of just free flying around. And if they give it up in the last minute, they give it up in the last minute. Now, my big problem with all that is, you know, playoff time that usually doesn't result in good things. And so, um, you know, somebody asked me the other night, we were, <clears throat> when we were playing, well, we were getting ready for one of our games, our men's league games uh, the other night. And um, we just got talking about when Dallas, when, when we came to Dallas, when we moved from Minnesota to Dallas and, you know, Bob Ganey was the general head coach at the time. And then the GM and then Hitchcock came into town and all this other kind of stuff. And I, and, and the game just kind of changed for us. The team, and because Bob didn't like what he saw. He didn't like a team that was, he, he called them 500 players. I didn't know what he meant at the time. And, 
but he felt that there were players that, that we came from Minnesota with that were win one, lose one, win one, lose one. And it was okay. And that mentality was going to change. And that's kind of mentality came from Montreal. And the next thing you know, you got Brian Scrudlin coming, Mike Keane coming, Guy Carboneau coming. You know, they were all guys from Montreal and they were all coming here. And that's because there was a certain style that we played in Montreal. And it was about defending. If they can't score, they can't win. And, and so, you know, the door isn't quite as wide open when you play a certain style. And, and, and the concept was, is like, we're not going to start to tighten things up in, in when we have 15 games left in the season. We're not going to start working on practices. How do we shut this down? How do you tighten things up? We're going to do it for 82 games so that when game 83 comes, it's like we play in one goal games all the time and, and we play tight ass games. And, and so our mentality was to, to play 82 playoff games because when 83 comes, that's what you're playing as playoff games. Yeah. And so, you know, that, that's the way I was kind of raised. And I think that's how we kind of, try to teach our kids and, and it's hard with our kids because you know they're they're used to kind of letting they they get to run free and so we try to put some different things in place and try to get them to understand is when you know when it's 30 seconds to go in a game and we're up a goal we want all of you guys to be players that can be on the ice you know in the last 30 seconds of a game when you're up a goal yep. you know not there can only you're not all going to be up on the ice when you're down a goal because you all don't have that offensive ability, but you can all learn how to play defense if we can teach you right. Yeah. Yeah. And you can, Sean and I were talking yesterday, the, the ability and the smoothness in which the Donoff has fit into this offense. Uh, it just seems like he's been there all year. Um, as you talked about bringing in your players that know your style. Um, and speaking of that last goal, Craig, I'm sure it happened to you all the time, but it's, 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 Usually would be called a cross check what Jamie Ben did the other night to free up some space in the front of the net. Correct. Uh, yeah. If you, if, I mean, if you ain't cheating, you ain't trying. I mean, it's a it's a smart play by Ben because what's the worst case scenario? You get called for a penalty. Well, well, the thing about it is, is when you look at the referee that was in the zone, he was on the other side of the ice, you know, and so it's it's six on five. Yep. And so there's, you know, four, five, six guys in front of the net. Did he see it? I know. And then I tried to find out where the the other referee was, and he was on the Jamie Ben side of the ice. He was on the bench side. So why he didn't see it or call it, I don't know. But there have been a few other games that have they've kind of let that stuff go now. As we're getting closer to playoffs, it always seems, and you will hear players and general managers and everybody else complain about it, they come into the season, the first few games, man, it's tight. Every little thing is called. It's power play, power play, power play. Then you get to the halfway mark, and a couple of them that were called, you know, in October are not being called in January. And then when you get, you know, about this time of the year, there's more things that are are that are let go because there's more things on the line right you know and so i don't know if that has anything the referees will tell you no, listen we call the game the same way i don't think so yeah there are a couple that we've seen a lot of calls that they let go um uh, but anyway you know and you're right i mean there there's one second to go in the game jamie's been in this league for a long time we talk about time and score all the time he knows what the time and score is so um if it gets called back it gets called back but we got a we got two seconds left and I'm just surprised the player that gets that gets cross checked in the back yes. by Ben, which I think was done. I'm not. It sure, is. But He's having a great year. Yeah. 
And yeah, I think he's leading their team in scoring. Yeah. But he doesn't he doesn't say a thing. That's what he I was thinking play. too. I'd be flipping out. I mean, and that, and again, that's not a play that's going to be reviewed, and they're going to call the goal back. So you know, maybe may I mean Dunn's been in the league for a long time, so maybe he's going, hey, you know what? What am I going to do? So, but yeah, I mean, Jamie got away with one. There's yeah. no question about it. But is it a suspendable? If it was, no. if somebody did, it's not that. It's a, it's a. I think what the referees will say is, hey, that's a battle in front of the net. Yeah, but it was from behind. It was a, and Jamie actually uh, cross-checked. I, I don't know if it was him or somebody else just prior to that. Yeah, he, he did. It was Jamie back. again. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So I mean, and again, that that see that's. That's the Jamie Ben that that we've known for years, sure. right? And, and and it's a reason Jamie's got thirty, you know, whatever he's got 30, 31 goals this year. Is yeah. he's he's back to the to the guy that we all that we know, and that's one of the big reasons why this team is, um, you know, where they're at. I, I said this in the beginning, like, you know, over the summer, all this talk about Jamie Ben, how they're gonna, you know, take his minutes away, and he's gonna be down in the third line, and all this other kind of stuff. The brilliant thing that DeBoer did, in my opinion, is, yep, he's on the third line. Yep, he's playing with a couple of kids that I think are kind of like the fountain of youth form, and they're both good players um, that he's playing with, obviously. But what the main thing was is he found a way to make up those minutes for Jamie, and that was to put him on that top power play unit. And what has it done? He Does he lead the group in power play? Uh, if he doesn't lead him in power play goals, he's right there. I think he's got like 12, 12 power play goals this year. So Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and I mean Wyatt Johnston is such a great line mate for him. Oh Jesus! Yeah, I mean smart. that that goal that that Wyatt scored, the late one. It, it just and that's I believe that was a power play goal, right? Yeah, and um, and and we got to give credit to Dodonov who kind of went to the front of the net, and that created two Kraken players that moved over toward him, which left open Johnston on the backside. It does, but but just watch how many players in the league that when they play that half wall on the offside of the ice and, you know, they're that take the shot guy or, you know, if it can get through the crease and, you know, stay wide and they stay over there and mm-hmm. they're hoping for that. Why it doesn't do that. When there's a scrum going on, he comes to the net and that's what gives him the opportunity to get to that puck first, because he didn't just stay wide. He didn't stay over there somewhere by, by the hash marks on the wall. You know what I mean? He, when it was going on on the other side of the ice below the goal line, and it was starting to get tight in front of the net. He doesn't just hang over there and hope a puck comes to him. He starts coming to the net, and it's the reason he gets the puck at the time he gets it. The goalie doesn't have any time to get across. Imagine if he would have stayed over there. The puck still would have got to him, but how much more time does that give that goaltender to get from one side of the ice to the other? Yeah. So by him doing uh, – he's just a smart player. I mean, yeah. He's just – He's just a smart, smart kid. And it's weird because, I mean, we talk about the wall, and I know in junior hockey, as you mentioned in the beginning of the program, it's never-ending. So it's not like, you know, these kids only play so much. Uh, But at the same time, it just seems like Wyatt Johnston is getting better. Like, you know, he's not hitting that wall. He's not slowing down. Well, if he had any doubts coming in, and I'm sure all these kids at 18, 19 years old, they come in and, you know, and, and they hear the talk, they read the papers and the, the news, or I guess you don't read the papers anymore, but uh, look at it on their iPhone. And, but, you know, is, is, is this kid going to stay here? You know, they got to make a decision by game nine and all this other kind of stuff that comes along with that territory about getting sent, <clears throat> sent back to junior and all these other things. And so, so they have some, they have confidence, but they have some doubt. Are they going to keep me? Are they not going to keep me? They're looking at the lineup and they're seeing all these real good players on the team. 
And but what's happened to Wyatt, I think every single game he goes out there, he comes back at the end of the game and he drives home because he can't go to the bar. He can't drink yet. Right. So yeah, no, I'm sure he doesn't drink. No, nope, so, 19. Nope. And so, but he's going, I belong. I can play in this. Yeah. Game. I can every game that Wyatt comes out of there, the belief gets stronger and stronger by now. He obviously knows he can play in this game and can imagine what this kid's going to be like in three or four years, you know? So, um, and because, and the reason I say three or four years is because I think he's going to get bigger and he's put a little more meat on the bones and, and, you know, you make a couple laps around the league, you know, things, you learn things. And so, you know, again, you talk about, <clears throat> you know, having the top three, that top line that they've had all year long. And when you can get scoring throughout your three lines and it really, the funny thing is it hasn't really been number one and number three, it's been number two line. You know what I mean? Just yep. getting some consistently. Mark Smith went through a little thing and, you know, all that kind of stuff. So, but again, you get guys healthy, get them back in the lineup and you can be at least three lines offensively deep. Um, you know, you're, you're a dangerous team going into the playoffs. Who was your star's teammate that was like Joe Pavelski, where if a youngster came into the room, put their arm around and said, you're with me. Uh, that was a few of us. Like we had, are you talking about when I was young? Well, no, or, when you were, I mean, when you were a player, I mean, you did say when you were in Montreal, Knuckles Nyland. Um, yeah. You know what, for what we had, a, we had an older group here, you know what I mean? Okay. Like Nui was here and, and Carbo was here and myself. And so, you know, when there were the, but we didn't really have a lot of young kids that were in the lineup like that. You know what I mean? Like, like this, this, I think this team was put together by Ganey, the, the team that we had in, you know, 97, 98, 99. It, it was a team that was being uh, kind of marinated to play together, get to know each other over time. Because a lot of the times, I mean, we've seen it in New York with, with Kane coming in and some other player. I mean, you come in at the trade deadline, it doesn't necessarily mean you're going to win the cup. You know, it doesn't mean you're tap dancing right into the finals. So it takes time. It takes time to learn, learn the personalities. And um, anyway, so we had, our room was getting, we, we I think we were, I think we were one of the oldest teams in the league at the time when we won in 99. So, um, so we had a veteran team, you know, so there, there, there wasn't just one or two guys, you know what I mean? But I, I think when you, when you look at a guy like Joe Pavelski, that, that's, and we can't, can't forget about Joe and should probably lead off with Joe, what he's done for Wyatt. Yeah. You know, he's living with him. Yep. So, and you talk about a guy that's got, that leads by example, by being on the ice, every morning for 16 years or 15, whatever Joe has played, going through the same routine, tipping a hundred pucks a day and doing all those things that Joe does on his own for himself, you know, for, to be part and a major part of that club. Um, now you have your young up and coming kid to be able to live with them. So, you know, that, that that's been done around the league a few times too. So, um, but I mean, <clears throat> I don't know. That's why I said to you, like, this summer I'd have been working on a, an extension for Pavelski, whether he wanted to play next year or not to have him in this organization, because yeah. it's very obvious what he's doing with, with the young group there. Yeah, you're absolutely right. And you mentioned 1999. It's interesting. So I was doing my research on the penguins leading into tonight's game and on pennspittsburgh.com or pensburg.com. It says latest video from SB nation. Brett Hull's controversial triple overtime goal for the 1999 Stanley Cup deserved a deep rewind. <laughs> so I've never asked you from your perspective, what did you see? 
And have you guys talked a lot about it, you know, publicly? Nope. We okay. never talked about it because in our minds, it was a goal. Uh, yeah. I, and again, I, I, apparently the way the rule read, like if the puck is in the crease, the puck has to precede you going into the crease. Everybody wants to get off on this whole skate in the crease thing. While the puck was in there, there was a shot. Hully went in and got it after it went in. Now, I haven't really dissected it to see if his toe of his skate was in there prior to that to that rebound coming in there. But, you know, that that's the way the rule read. But But you can tell that the NHL made a mistake implementing this rule a year prior or whatever it was, because they took it right out at the end of the year. Cause that at the start of the next season, there was no more being in the crease before the puck kind of thing. Yeah. So, you know, and again, that's all part of, and again, it, for me, it was all about getting the goals up, you know, because at the time, you know, it was, it was a two, one, three, two league and they wanted to create more excitement and, and, and thank God they did it after I was done playing. Because in, in today's kind of game with the skill and talent that all 20 guys on the ice have, <clears throat> you know, I might as well have been doing radio. I mean, I'd have never played in that kind of a game. So um, I'm glad that they, you know, started changing it after I was done. And it is a more exciting game now. I, you know, I, yeah, would there, do I want to see more physicality? Yes. And, but when you're, when you have this kind of a league, this, and because they're saying when I was a kid, and I was, you know, in college, they're like, this is how you're going to have to play. If you want to play in the NHL, you got to play a certain style. And I had Rick Wilson, our, our D coach in, in Dallas here as a, as a coach in college. So I was hearing that. So I'm guessing um, those aren't the same messages. I mean, I have a hard enough time with our U18 guys trying to push them into a one hit a game, Yeah, you know, and we're on them. And I show, I show them things every two, three, four days about how, dude, you can't just let this guy skate here and you can't let him skate there. And as much as the game is being offensive, you still want to be hard to play against. Right. You still want to make it difficult on those guys trying to score goals. I mean... But the days of the shutdown D-man, like a Matthias Nordstrom or a Larry Robinson are kind of out the window. Yeah, you know what? Yeah, exactly. But but again, you know, they're, they're looking at, hey, you want to defend? Let's defend at the other end of the rink in the offensive zone. Okay. That's kind of their philosophy, I think, for yeah. some teams. Not all of them. And again, in, in a few weeks now, we're going to see things tighten up. Yeah. I don't. I don't think you're going to see a lot of six-five game. I'm. I don't know the, but it doesn't. I mean, <clears throat> well, the the goals for now or the total goals now is somewhere around six, six and a half. You want to go ahead and bet on a game where you know I had buddies that would always call me and ask me and stuff like that, and I'm like, man, it if it's five. Uh, you know, five and a half go under. If it's five, eh, probably go over. I mean, it's funny, a half a goal. But now you don't see any of them anymore. I mean, if you want to look on a betting line, everything starts with six. It's either six, six and yep. a half. There's some sevens, and we're like, whoa. But again, that's you know that that's entertaining for the fans. Yeah. So where were you when that puck went in? On the bench where I belong. <laughs> <laughs> I think I had just come back from a shift. Okay. And, I didn't, I, and honestly, at the time, I didn't see it I, I because there were so many guys from front of the net. Right. So I couldn't, I mean, all you hear is everybody yelling. Yeah. And so, and I was, and I just sat there. I, I was, Wilson, Rick Wilson had to say, Buds, are you going out there? Like all the guys were out there celebrating. I was sitting on the bench. I didn't even move. Really? I stayed. Yeah. I stayed there. He actually punched me in the back and he said, Hey, you want to go out there now? The game's over. So, you know, it was just, 
because Taking I was it all in. Where, well, it was 13 years in between winning the yeah, first round. Good point. And you you get to a point where you're like, man, yeah, I know we're up a game here and we just got to get one more win. And you're playing against one of the best goaltenders in the on the planet. Uh, we had one too, but you're like, I don't know this. And so you don't really, you don't really know if that's going to happen. And then when it does happen, you're like, it really just happened. Now yeah. I can say uncle, now I'm done. So that, that's kind of, I was kind of in shock, I guess, uh, whether it would have been, if it was in game seven, would it have been different? Probably not. I still would have sat there and thought, man, I, I never thought this was going to happen again. But does, do you realize and I'll use two examples. What Vegas did in their first year as an expansion franchise, going to the Stanley Cup final and just capturing the town by storm. We know the Raiders are there, but if you go to Vegas and you go where I used to live, that's Knights country. I mean, people wear their gear. They're all about the Knights. And then you look in Seattle and they're making a big playoff push. It's been extremely impressive, and they're capturing that town. Do, do you ever look back, and do you realize that what your team did is similar to Vegas and Seattle in that you captured the DFW and kind of created this hockey base that has lasted and continues to grow? Yeah, you know, and I think they're different. I mean, I think when you look at at Dallas being such a football market you know and and we we didn't the fans in the beginning really didn't know what was going on out there you know they they knew none of the rules um yeah there were some transplants here but i think they i think they were more excited in my opinion uh the speed that they saw at the time which didn't doesn't even seem like it was fast then as compared to now and the physicality of the game and so i think they liked that part and, and we had a good first year. So we were, you know, timing, I say timing's everything. And we had a pretty good first year. And so we were, we were winning when we came here. I think you look at ba- uh, Vegas, Vegas, it's the entertainment capital of the world. Right. And so they, they just did everything right there. But again, they, they, there was ways around some of the rules and things like that at sure. the time. And so Vegas paid $600 million and they were able to, to put together and piece together they had some creative management people went out and, you know, and that the whole being able to protect certain players and not every team had to have a list in. And well, you know what, I'll tell you what um, we've got Richard Matvichuk here in Dallas. We don't want work. We can't protect Maddie. We got to protect Hatch and Zuby. I'm just using them for an example. And, but, but we'll tell you what Vegas, we'll give you a first round pick not to select them. <laughs> so yeah. there were some things going on that I don't, I think caught, caught the NHL off, off guard. And so those, those, it wasn't as uh, lenient in, in that, that respect for, for Seattle. So they were able to piece together a really, really good hockey team. And then in Vegas, what did they do? They followed right in line with Vegas. They made it just another event going on in Vegas. They did an unbelievable job in entertainment marketing. Now Seattle you know, they weren't allowed to do a lot of those things. They were keeping a little bit closer eye on how they were going to be that team. So, but then again, if I'm Seattle, I'm going, wait a minute, you know, Vegas did it. They paid 600 million. We got to pay 650 million. And you're telling us we can't play by the same rules. Right. So, but then again, they got off to a great start. Yeah. I mean, I, they got some great expansion players. I mean, you know, to to think you got Jordan Eberle, 
you know, I thought Alexiak was a really nice pickup. You know, I mean, they, yep. they put together a team really quick. But, but and, they had a team. They really did have a team that, you know, when Hack went in there, um, but but they had a team there that they weren't gonna they weren't gonna play this kind of style and, and win hockey games. So they decided figured that they had to defend. And so they, you know, the question with with uh, with Seattle right from the beginning was who's gonna score for them. You know, and then, you know, some things changed in their in their organization. And and all of a sudden they were leading the league in scoring this year. Yeah. So, um, you know, now, but then again, look at where they're at. Now they're kind of fighting for a playoff spot. So we'll see what happens. Yeah, absolutely. Well, thank you, sir, for joining us. Really appreciate it. It's great to look back. Um, I hope you enjoy it as much as I do, because I love when you pull back that curtain and talk about that 99 team and those old stars teams, because I really do think. You know, we have to pay tribute to those teams that kind of created the the hockey landscape as it is today in uh, DFW. So hopefully a win tonight against the uh, Pens and, uh, you know, they can uh, stay in first. It's going to be a close race to the end. Mr. Ludwig, you are the man, even though you didn't take home a championship in Colorado. You're a champion in my book, regardless, regardless of what you call me off this microphone. I appreciate you. (laughs) It's always a slice. (laughs) that's gonna do it for another opportunity with spits and suds tomorrow sean shapiro who's much nicer to me will join us and uh, we'll recap the uh, pittsburgh game but until then uh thank you so much for downloading favoring spits and suds we truly appreciate you and we'll talk to you tomorrow